relationship, it needs cultivation. Yes, you agree. Every relationship, it needs cultivation, and it requires a lot of um, intentionality. It, um, it just requires some work. A lot of times when we say the word love, for instance, we think about, you know, emotions and feelings, but love is actually a verb. It's actually action that has to happen. It's, it's, it's work to be in, in love. Does that, are, you, are you tracking with me? Yes. Today, I want to talk about having a life that is on fire for the Lord. I want to talk about how you live your life with passion and with zeal for God that never fades, that never wanes. Um, we all family, right? Not everybody. Okay. Yep. So um, it always amazes me how we can go to an event, to a conference. We can just go and we can experience God. And we come back and we are just on fire for the Lord. I mean, we can hardly speak in English for slipping into speaking in tongues. Like we just, we just on fire. And after a few weeks, a month or so, that thing just, it just wanes. And you're just like, where is that same intensity? Where, where is that same zeal? Then you go to another event and you just on fire. Ah, let's save the world. Let's run around the building when worship was going on. A few weeks go by and then that, that, that thing, it, it fades away. And there's nothing wrong with fire. I like fire. Matter of fact, I wish we would keep our building a little bit warmer because the Lord likes fire. <laughs> Bible says that he is a consuming fire. He appeared to Moses in a bush that was on fire. It says that his eyes are made of fire. Matter of fact, his throne is sit, seated. It's placed in heaven on this floor that's a sea of glass that's also mingled with fire. If you're reading Isaiah 6, you see that there's seraphim that fly above the throne. And that word, it means burning ones. The things closest to God, they are on fire. I want to live my life on fire. I don't want to be a 35-year-old young man and on fire and then be a 75-year-old young man and not on fire. I want to have the same energy, keep the same energy, keep the same zeal all my life. All my life. I want to be, listen, mark my words, you young people. When we get to be 75 and we're in here, I'm going to be the most radical guy in here. Most radical guy in here. I'm not going to give a care about these knees or this back because he's worthy. Hold me to it. Keep me accountable. I want to burn for the Lord all my life. And there are four um, things I want to talk about today that are a uh, consistent rhythm or discipline in my life. And I want to share those things with you. And um, I'm sure we all already do these things, but we can all, I'm pretty sure, can improve on these things. Are you ready? Here's the first thing. I want to talk to you about the secret place. If you would, go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. We're going to jump around a, a bit today. So take notes if you have your pen. And um, while you look forward and get your stuff together, I just want to um, thank God for my pastor, Pastor Mitch, man of God. I love him so much. I love him so dearly. And it is an honor to know him, to serve the Lord with him, and even to be up here today. Pastor, I love you. And I want you to know that. Mira, I love you. I love you. You know, um, 
You didn't get to choose who your natural parents were. And I'm finding out you don't really get to pick who your spiritual parents are. And um, I love you. I love Pastor Mitch. I love Susan so much. Matthew 6, verse 6. Are you ready? But when you pray, go into your most private room and closing the door, pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you in the open. This verse right here says the father is in secret and he wants to meet you every day. Every day you have this open door. You have this invitation to go into a room, close the door behind you and be with uh, the Lord. Now, let me talk to you about this secret place. The secret place is made up of secrets. It's made up of secrets. So if you could visualize it, imagine that this this place, this secret place, it has four walls and the walls aren't necessarily bricks, but they are secrets. And everything that the Lord tells you, you shouldn't give away because they're secrets. And if you have these walls, every time you give away what the Lord has trusted you with, you put a hole in that wall. You put a breach in that wall. I don't know if you've seen this recently or not, but there was a time, I don't spend much time on Facebook anymore, where I would see people and I'd, I'm scrolling and I'd stop and I go, oh, I know that person. I go to church with that person. I go to school with that person. And they say something like, you know, I was just spending, I was just spending time with the Lord and I just feel like he's saying, you know, whatever. You need to forgive. Or I was just spending time with the Lord and I feel like he was just saying that, hey, breakthrough is around the corner. 99% of the time, that word was just for that person. And it might not be, I, I didn't give any really good examples just now. I, normally it's something really deep. But a lot of times what they're doing is you're trading what the Lord has given you and you're giving it away. So when you look up that word uh, pray, for instance, I'm going ahead of myself. That word pray, it, it, it means to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes or ideas for his wishes. And he imparts faith. He imparts this divine persuasion. And a lot of times you're giving away what the Lord on purpose gave to you. It does not mean that you can't share what the Lord gives you. Matter of fact, when we get up here and preach, somehow or another, I got it from the Lord, right? Um, sometimes when you build somebody up and encourage somebody, you got it from the Lord. But there are some things that you don't have permission to give away and you do. And so I want to, off top, I just want to caution you with that. If I tell my wife something really secretive and then she gives it away, like we're going to have a problem. There's a, now a breach in that trust. Does that make sense? And so I want you to know that you have to guard the secret place. The secret place should be your favorite place. I'll say it again. The secret place should be your favorite place. In Luke 11, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And, 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 that's, and that's also good practical advice. You need to have a certain place that you pray. When my kids wake up in the morning, they know exactly where I am because I'm in a certain place place. Does that make sense what I'm saying? When I'm traveling and I walk into a hotel, you guys, my wife, I'm scanning the room. I'm looking at the balcony. I'm like, oh, that chair right there. That's me. Don't be in that chair when I get up in the morning because that's, that's it. I'm going to meet the Lord right there. So you need to find a secret place and you need to guard that secret place and you need to enter that secret place every day because the father wants to meet you there. Amen. Amen. Now here's the second part. In Luke chapter 11, you don't have to go there. Jesus was praying, and then the disciples says, Lord, teach us to pray. And so 
what he tells them after that, it changes everything for them and for us. You see, they were Jewish people, and they thought that he was going to give them some, like, form, some rote, like some patterned prayer. And he does, but what he starts off with, it blows their mind. He says, our Father. And so when you go into the secret place, it's to meet the Father. And so when I say that, when I talk about the Father, a lot of times that triggers things with, with different people depending on how your relationship is or was with your Father. I have been with the Father, and I am telling you, if you enter that place with fear, if you enter the secret place with worry, with anxiety, there's nothing like being in the presence of your Father to wash all of that away. I've been in the secret place countless times and have just cried, poured my heart. I mean, <laughs> out the corner of my eyes, I've seen my kids walk in like, oh, he's having a moment with the Lord. He's snotting over there on the floor. But, 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 but. I've poured my heart out to the Lord in such a way sometimes that I just feel better. It's kind of like when you fall as a kid and you get a boo-boo and you come in the house and you just, Mama, Daddy. And Levi did that yesterday. He was like, he hurt his leg and he was just, oh. Levi's 167 pounds. Talk about, hold me, hold me, hold me. I put him on my shoulder like, come on, soldier. But there's nothing like being with with the Father, and you just pour your heart out to him. You say, you say, Father, it's the secret place. This is me most mornings. See, practically, I only have about an hour most days by the time I have to get the kids up and go to school. It's, don't think I spend five hours with the Lord every day. Like, I wish I could. One day is coming. But practically, most days I have an hour. And when I'm with the Lord, I'm tired. I'm up at 5 a.m., and I sit down in that chair, and I go, Lord, I'm here. This is this morning, Lord, I'm here. Lord, I'm tired. I don't have a song to sing. I don't have a scripture ruminating in my heart. Here's what I have, me. I'm here. Come, meet with me. And I sit. Practically, here's what I do. Find your own sauce. Here's what I do. I put on some instrumental music. Because I'm a musician. If I'm listening to words, I get caught up in the runs and in all the bass lines. So I listen to in instrumental music. And I sit. And I picture the throne room of God. Pastor Mitch talks about this, looking at, picture yourself before. I picture the throne room of God. And I close my eyes and I see him and I see the swirl of activity around him. Revelation 4 is a good place to, to start. And I just begin to lift my hands and adore him. I haven't opened my Bible yet. I haven't said a word. I just, Father, I'm here and I worship you. Father, I'm here and I love you. Father, I thank you that I can even come into your presence. Oh, God, I'm excited that you even want me here. And I just, be, and I just, I just say stuff like that, simple stuff. And then he comes. Oh, my Lord. And then he comes. He come, I feel his presence. And I feel him just say, all right, just come on in. Just come on in. And then from there, I don't even plan what I do. Some days I do a lot more reading than praying. Some days I do a lot more worshiping than reading. I do all three every day, but some days it's just, Lord, what do you want to do? And I'll pray and I'll read the Bible, for instance, and if I'm in the Psalms and there's a passage that highlights, that's highlighted to me and it just, whew, that's good. That's where I stay. That's what I pray. I turn around, I get on my knees, I get on my face and I'll pray. So like this morning, as the heart pants for the waters, so my soul longs for you. I'm like, Lord, I'm tired. Honestly, my heart ain't longing for you right now, but I want to. 
but I want to. And I'll say it. Oh, this is me this I, over and over. Oh, like the deer, Lord, my heart, it longs. My heart, it longs. My heart, it longs. And then I get tired of saying that, and I'll lift my hands some more. And I worship some more. I worship some more. And now I'm singing. Now, because I like to sing to the Lord. So now I'm just, I'm not singing full-blown songs and choruses. Now I'm just saying, you're amazing, God, and you're worthy. Have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. I need you. I need you. You are holy. You are worthy. You are righteous. Perfect in all your ways. I just sing random stuff like that. And I'm adoring. And the next thing I know, I'm right back to praying. I'm right back to reading. And I'm just, and then my alarm goes off at 6 o'clock. And I'm like, oh, got to get these kids up. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. But this is what the secret place looks like to me. And I love the secret place. I love it. I feel antsy when I can't get there in the mornings. So just off. But there is a father. If you were to go to Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. You know the story. I'm not necessarily talking about the son. But we can look at the story of the prodigal son. We can look at the father and we can get a glimpse, regardless of how your father is, and we can see who the father is. First of all, he's blessed and he's generous. That's why he gave it all the inheritance away to the son. And then even then we see the Lord he watches and he waits. He's on the porch. He's watching and he's waiting. And then we see that the Lord, he sees the son. So now we know that the God sees. And, and if, if he sees the prodigal son who went astray, surely he sees me because I ain't went nowhere. And he's, he sees me. And then when he sees me, guess what? He runs. Did you know God has legs? He has feet. And he runs. And he runs out there to meet me. And before I can say anything to him, the father grabs me. The father embraces me. God fervently kisses me. This is Luke chapter 15. It's in there. Read the Amplified Classic. All those, all those are in there. I didn't make that up. This is what God does. And so a lot of times we have an issue with praying because we don't start with and end with the Father. The whole point of prayer, hear me out, is to meet the Father. It's to commune with the Father. Let's go a little bit further. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 40 through 42. Now, while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village and a woman named Martha received and welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted. Somebody say distracted with much serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me? To serve alone. Tell her then to help me, to lend a hand and do her part along with me. But the Lord replied to her by saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. There is need of only one or but a few things. Mary has chosen the good portion and that which is to her advantage, which shall not be taken away from her. In the secret place, you have to remove distractions. You have to remove distractions. This Mary was before Jesus, seated in front of Jesus, hearing his words. You have to remove distractions. If you want your prayer life, if you want the secret place to be a place that you actually enjoy, you have to remove any distractions. Does that make sense? Take your phone, leave it outside the room, okay? Get a paper and pen so the Lord speaks. You can write it down that way because when that notification bell goes off, you're tempted to pick it up and you're tempted to scroll on Instagram and, and on Facebook. These are practical things that I do, and you should do too. Oh, y'all don't struggle with that. Okay. 
Again, father is the point, and so you want to give him your complete uh, attention. See, most people struggle to be with the Lord for more than 15, 20 minutes without getting distracted because we come in and we make it all about us. We put our wants and our needs ahead of him. We come in with our petitions, our prayer lists, our list of demands. And after you've prayed for all those things, you know, Lord, heal this person. Lord, do that. Lord, I need money. Lord, I need money. Lord, I need money. You're bored because you have nothing else to pray. But if it's about a person, you can't get bored. Revelation 4 talks about the four living creatures who day and night, they surround the throne night and day, night and day, night and day. They've been saying, holy, holy. How can you stay? In? They aren't there because the Lord has chains on them, making them say, holy, holy, holy. They're there because they want to be there. And so what we have to learn, help me, hear me. I'm trying to help you. What we have to learn to do is push past boredom, push past awkwardness, because on the other side of that awkwardness, the other side of that boredom, I'm telling you, is encounter. Some people you talk to them and they got God stories. And you're just like, how? Well, because they just spend time with the Lord. And it's just so easy and so effortless to them. But for some, it's a struggle. It's because we, we just get so bored. You're there with the Lord and you're forced to just be with him. There's no showing off in the prayer closet. He knows what's in your heart. So you can just worship him. You can pray. You can minister to him. You can do all the things and end up making them about you. But if you're there because it's about him. I'm telling you, time will fly. And I'm telling you, here's how you know you're praying. Here's how you know you're worshiping. It's when you forget that you are doing those things. You ever look up and you like, I've been in here a whole hour? Or, or are you on the side like, it feels like an hour and I've only been here five minutes. I'll be there too. I'll be there too. Like, good God, boy, I'm praying heaven down. And I look up, five minutes. I'll be like, that was all flesh. <laughs> all flesh. They want no spirit in here. I'm working in here. But you stay focused and you just push, you just push. It's not, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by the spirit. And so if you're following the Lord, like a dance, if you're following the Lord, where do you want to do, Lord? You want to read? You want to worship? What do you want to do? I'm telling you, you will enjoy him and he will enjoy you. One more verse uh, for this point, John 15, 7. If you live in me, abide vitally united to me and my words remain in you and you continue to live and continue to live in your hearts, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. Here's my other piece of advice. Take your Bible into the secret place. Take your Bible into the secret place. Um, I'm telling you, God, he responds to the word. And if you pray the word, if you pray the, the word of God is his will. If you pray his will, speak his will back to him. I'm telling you, there's this exchange that happens. Again, your wishes for his desires. And I'm praying his word, and his words aren't empty. A lot of times we're doing prayerless praying because we aren't saying anything. This is substance. Say this to him. Again, when I'm reading the Bible and the Lord highlights something to me, that's, that's what I pray to him. Does that make sense? This has been led by the Lord when you're in the secret place. Amen? Point number two. Friends. Somebody say friends. I like to say fellowship of the burning hearts. Luke 24, verse 32 says, And they said to one another, Were not our hearts greatly moved and burning within us while he was talking with us on the road? And as he opened and explained to us the sense of scriptures. I'm just going to read some more verses to you. 
1 John chapter 1, verse 1. We are writing, we are writing about the word of life in him who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard. I'm putting emphasis on we have heard. Whom we have seen with our own eyes, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked often one to another, and the Lord listened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who reverenced and worshipfully feared the Lord and who thought on his name. Let's read another one. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend to show rage or worthy purpose. And then lastly, Amos 3, 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? What's the point that I'm trying to make? Something happens when you encounter the Lord. Something also happens when you encounter the Lord with other people. Um, can I just talk to you? So, um, I don't know. Uh, back in, let me say it this way. Friendships built on any other thing, they don't last. I love music. And I've been doing music for a very long time. But friendships that were built on music, they haven't lasted. I mean, sure, we're Facebook friends. So, I mean, but they haven't lasted. Does, does that make sense? Um, I did sports as a kid. I don't talk to nobody I, I, did, I played sports with. But it's people who've been in the fire of his presence with me. That's different. That's different. In 2013, um, I, I've told this story before. We have a lot of new family, but I still won't go into a lot of great detail, but just enough so I can get the point across. In 2013, my wife and I, we carried a baby to um, how many weeks, babe? Huh? 37 weeks. And then we, and then we lost the baby, right? Uh, or at least the doctor said there was no heartbeat. And so for a whole week, we got after it. I'm like, listen, we're going to raise this baby. We're going to raise this baby. We're going to raise this baby. And so I'm not talking about, I don't want to talk about us praying and believing God. But what I do want to talk about is the people who are there. So I have a friend, um, lots of friends were there, but one friend in particular, James. James and I did music together, but James and I also prayed together. We also worshiped together. And James was in that hospital room with us. James said, I'm going to be here as long as you're here. I'm going to lay my hands on this baby and rebuke death as long as you're still rebuking death. I'm going to worship and thank God for his goodness and his kindness and his holiness with you despite what we see. He's my boy. He's one of my best friends. Because we did something with the Lord, for the Lord, together. A couple years ago, um, I, I call it the fire stirring. The stirring we have here um, Friday nights every once a month uh, before it was here, um, it was at my house. And one day I came downstairs, there was like 60 people in my house. And I said, no, we can't do that. So we're going to move it here. But it was, um, I, I can't remember the year, but we were, as a church, we were fasting for three weeks. And every Friday, because we weren't praying, like we were praying here, but those Fridays, people say, hey, let's just worship. Said, Shoot, let's worship. So every Friday we was at my house worshiping. And I don't know if it was the second Friday or the third Friday. It don't matter. All I know is God showed up in a way that I've never in my life, known God would show up. And those people who were in that room, 
I love them. And we, we have this thing in God together, and nobody can take, that, can take that from us. So it doesn't matter where they move. It doesn't matter where they serve. It doesn't matter because our relationship has been built on the Lord and continues to be built on the Lord. That's what we do. A couple of weeks ago, I had some people from the church over at my house, and my boy walks in, throws his Bible on the table like, let's talk. I said, what else is there to talk about but Jesus? And he said, I know, right? I said, Keisha, this is my guy right here. What else is there to talk about but the Lord? So listen, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with talking the weather. There's nothing wrong with talking the sports. Talking the sports. You see what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with talking about politics. There's nothing wrong with talking about all these things. But those things don't last. Those things do nothing on the inside. See, when we have conversations in the hallway around here, these conversations leave me wanting to go and pray. They lead, lead me to want to go and open the word of God. So when you're having conversations with people and there's nothing happening in your heart that's saying, oh, I want to know the Lord the way they know, then these aren't, these aren't the friends that will help lead you to a life that's on fire. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Does, does that make sense? We're talking about a life on fire. So I have friends. Yeah, and we can talk about the things. But when you walk in my house, or I come to your house, or you in front of me, and you say, listen, tell me what this scripture means to you. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's see God together about it. They're like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, we family for life. Because it does something to me. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You don't have a grip for this, do you? Do you yes? You have friends like this in your life? It don't take a lot. Of, you don't need a thousand friends like this. You just need a, a tight-knit group that you can run after. So if you're running after God with everything you have, as hard as you can, and then you look over and you see somebody else running after God and they're up where you are, that's your person. Grab that person. You're David, that's your Jonathan. You grab that person and you seek God together. Does that make sense? I can go on and on and on. And my worship team, I, I'm with my worship team every week, every week. I'm telling you, when I'm praying with my worship team, he comes so quick and so strong as nothing like I've never, ever experienced before. I'd be in there last Wednesday just crying. Just, it's bad. It's so bad, but it leaves my heart burning. Sometimes, some Wednesdays, I don't even want to come out here and lead y'all in worship because I'm like, the Lord's over there in that office, and um, we're going to stay right over here. Does that make sense what I'm saying? You need to treasure the secret place, and you need a treasure and some friends who can run after the Lord, who burn for the Lord. Also, friends can be books. Friends can be podcasts. I don't watch stuff that dims the flame on the inside. I watch stuff with my kids, you know, family-friendly stuff. But other than that, I'm watching stuff that's going to stir me up again, that's going to make me want to go and seek God. Does that make sense? You say, oh, that's overboard. That's religious. Uh, that's somebody who doesn't have a heart on fire, who does not know that he's the only one worth living for. He's the only one that satisfies. He's the only one. He's the only one. Here's my third point. Ministry to the Lord. Ministry to the Lord. Don't get it confused necessarily with just serving. It's ministry to the Lord. When we serve, it's the outlet to express, you know, what's being what's being poured in. And it's it's more than just merely serving. It's it's ministry to him. It's more than just me helping you out. It's 
it's ministry to him. Yes? Back to uh, Luke chapter 10, we talked about Mary and Martha. See, a lot of times when we read that, we think, no, it's, it's Mary versus Martha. Are you going to be the one doing or are you going to be the one sitting at his feet? No, it's just Mary before Martha. I can serve you better. I can love you better after having served and loved and ministered to him first. Does that make sense? You don't like people that much to bend over backwards. My pleasure, Chick-fil-A. You just don't. But if you minister to people out of your ministry to the Lord, you'll have something supernatural to give to them. You'll have a deeper love. Your words of encouragement will actually carry substance and weight. Does, that, does, that, does this make sense, what I'm trying to say to you? So uh, Mark 12, verse 30, you know it. I say it almost every time I preach. And you shall love the Lord your God out of and with your whole heart and out of and with all your soul, your life, and out of and with all your mind, with your faculty of thoughts and your moral understanding, and out of and with all your strength. This is the first. Everybody say first. first. This is first and principal commandment. The second is like it. It's not it. It's like it. You with me? It's not it. It's like it, though. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Verse 32, and the scribe said to him, excellently, excellently and fitly and admirably answered, teacher, you have said truly that he is one and there is no other but him and to love him out of and with all the heart. Say all the heart. All the heart. And with all the understanding. Say that. With the faculty of quick apprehension and intelligence and keenness of discernment and with all the strength. Say it. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When you read the word all, all means everything. So if I give God everything, I really don't have anything left to give elsewhere. If we really look at the level of involvement that's required to love God, there's nothing left to give. I'm just tired. Lord, I've loved you hard, and I've loved you well. I got nothing left to give. You know what I'm talking about? You know how you feel when you come home after working all day, and the kids be like, Mama, I'm hungry. You be like, get it yourself. I'm tired. You got nothing left to give because you've given your, your all. Mentally, spiritually, physically, you have given your all. Now, if, it, if, he's, if God is asking for all, we got to sit back, and we have to consider what kind of God is this that he would ask for all? Surely he's worthy of it if he's asking for all. Surely he can make good of it if he's asking for all. And oftentimes we don't give the Lord all because we want to save a little bit so that we can do for others. But what you're doing is you are um, not, how do I want to say it? The Bible says in your weakness, he is strong. And so what you're doing is you're trying to save a little bit left over so you can do stuff in your own strength. And that isn't worship. Worship is complete obedience, complete uh, uh, dependence on who he is. And so when we, when, we, when we love the Lord our God, it's with everything, everything, all my mind. I want every thought, I want every thought to be thoughts of him, thoughts, thinking of things that are above, things that are lovely, things are, that are pure. Does that make sense? 
what I use my strength for. I wanted to bring glory to God. Does that mean I don't want to use strength on dumb stuff? I want to use my strength on bringing God honor. A couple of uh, last month, we were down at NC State doing uh, some street team evangelism. The Victory Street Team was there, and uh, we talked to a lot of people, man. But uh, one guy, one guy, he was hungry. Not for God. He's hungry for the truth, though. And uh, his name was Carter. When you think of Carter, pray for Carter. Pray for Carter. And, uh, man, I saw that he was taking it all in. And I preached Jesus to him. We, oh, my God, we preached Jesus to him. And then Carter said, I don't know, man. That's a big commitment. Didn't he say that? He said, that's a lot. To love God with everything and forever. He said, that's a lot. I don't, know, I don't know if I'm ready. That's biblical. The Bible says count up the cost. So many believers have not counted up the cost. We don't love God for who God is. We love God for what we can get from God. And if you love God for what you can get from God, surely you cannot love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your... You're not giving, you're getting. And so, again, a lot of times we don't have this life that's on fire for the Lord because we're in self-preservation mode. We go into the secret place with the wrong motives. We serve for the wrong motives. Does that make sense? But when is the last time you actually, in your serving people, you encountered the Lord, though? See, even with that, you're supposed to be encountering God. When you are teaching our children and you're hearing the little words that they say, you go, that's revelation. (laughs) Out of the mouths of babes. When you are pouring coffee for somebody or you are holding the door for somebody, you know, the first impressions ministry, you can say, oh, my God, that person walking in and they have the face of an angel. They look like Stephen. I see God. I see God. Encounter. Or when, some, when you're serving, you ran into a problem and you just said, Lord, I need your help. And he shows up. Again, in your weakness, he's made strong. A lot of times we don't do that. We just serve to serve. Pastor Mary said we need to go to uh, Victory Pathway, and we got to serve. <laughs> I guess I'll be obedient. When is it? When is it? When is, when is Pathway? When is Pathway? But you don't realize that everything is a setup for you to encounter God. Everything, even things that aren't working in your favor, is a setup to encounter God. Here's a quick story. Um, last week, um, well, this weekend, I'll just this weekend. Um, I had to play at a funeral, and, um, and um, they gave me all these songs, a lot of songs to learn. I have so many songs at this funeral. Listen, I said, she's not there, y'all. She's, we, 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 don't need, we don't need all these songs. And, um, and um, I said, listen, this song, I, this, it's a bit much. I got a lot going on. I can't pull this song off. And they said, well, that's not the right song anyway. It's actually this song. I'm like, oh, that's a, yeah, yeah, you can pull that off. Well, then they were practicing it, and then the song they practiced happened to be that song. I said, Lord, I can't do nothing about this now. Like, it's in your hand. Like, I'm going to play these chords. I'm going to play this one, this four, this five, five, seven, David, and we're just going to see what happened. We're just going to see what happened. Let the drummer carry you. We're going to see what happened. And um, at this particular funeral, um, the pastor, as the family marched in, he, he, like, was quoting scriptures and saying like that. And so what they had planned to play it didn't fit in, right? So I didn't have to do it. I say, see, I encountered God in my servant. Here's what I did not do. I did not raise a stink. I did not say, no, we can't do this. Then I tell you, we can't do this. I just said, Lord, 
there's an encounter waiting for me. And he, encounter, he fixed a problem for me. Does that make sense? These are practical things. And you know what? I gave God praise. I gave God thanks for it. And it stirred me up because now I see that he's the God, not only of the miraculous, not only of the big supernatural, but he's involved in the details of my life too. The details of my life. A lot of times we're looking for God out here with the miraculous, but we miss him in the small things. We miss him in the small things. I, I'm just saying. Let me read this to you. Uh, this is kind of long, so just bear with me. This is Ezekiel 44. Um, start at verse 9. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, no foreigner uncircumcised in heart and flesh shall enter into my sanctuary where no one but the priest might enter of any foreigners who are among the children of Israel, but the Levites who went far away from me when Israel went astray, who went astray from me after their idols, they shall bear the punishment, their iniquity and guilt. Uh, let me stop right there. Levites were a priestly tribe that were set apart just to minister to the Lord. When the children of Israel came into the promised land, everybody was getting land allotments. The, the Levites did not because the Lord was their inheritance. They were to take care of the temple or the tent of meetings or the temple, depending on what time period we're in. And they were to just minister to the Lord. Does that, does that make sense? That's what they did. They ministered to the Lord. And we need that back. We need a people who will minister to the Lord. You ain't saying amen. <laughs> Verse 11, they shall minister in my sanctuary, have oversight as guards as at the gates of the temple and ministering in the temple. They shall slay the burnt offerings and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall attend the people to serve them. Because the priests ministered to the people before the idols and became a stumbling block of iniquity and guilt to the house of Israel. Therefore, I have lifted up my hand and have sworn against them, says the Lord God, that they shall bear the punishment for their iniquity and guilt. And they shall not come near me to do the office of a priest to me, nor come near to any of my holy things that are most sacred. But they shall bear their shame and their punishment for the abominations which they have committed. Yet I will appoint them as caretakers to have charge of the temple for all the service of the temple and for all that will be done in it. There's some Levites. They're supposed to be ministering to the Lord, but they ran away after the people. They ran away after the idols. The Lord says, I'm going to still use you, but you're going to minister to take care of the temple. You're going to take care of the people. All right. That's what just happened here. Verse 15. But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me. They shall attend me to offer to me the fat and the blood, says the Lord God. They shall enter into my sanctuary and they shall come near to my table to minister to me and they shall keep my charge. I'm going to jump down to verse 28. This, their ministry to me, shall be to them as an inheritance. For I am their inheritance, and you shall give them no possession in Israel. For I am their possession. See, a lot of times we think about sheep and goats. We think about wheat and tares. But even the Lord makes a distinction in, between the people who minister to him and who don't minister to him. Believers who will minister to him and who will minister to just the people, who will just take care of the things of God, but they can't come 
near him. And if you want to be on fire, I said it earlier, it seems like the things closest to God are on fire. Remember those seraphim? The things closest to the Lord are on fire. This is why I don't sit in the back. Y'all thought I didn't sit in the back because I'm short? No, I want to be up close where the fire is. Listen, y'all woke, y'all woke now. Listen, but even the Lord makes a distinction. And so you really have no grid for this unless you understand that the Lord is your reward, that the Lord is your inheritance. Does that make sense? And so um, when I'm, you know, when us serving here, like me teaching today or me leading worship, I don't do those things so that I can, you know, get compliments and accolades from people. I do those things as ministry to the Lord. What you see me do here is really just me doing what I do at home to the Lord with all y'all just watching. Does that make sense? Because it's, it's ministry to the Lord first because I want the reward of his presence. Even at that funeral, uh, somebody was supposed to sing, and then they just they felt like they couldn't sing. And so they looked at me and said, you got something? And so, you know, I didn't feel the pressure to cheerlead. I didn't feel the pressure to, uh, come on, everybody clap your hands. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Come on, stand on your feet all across the room. Shabbat the Lord. I didn't feel the need to have to pump up anybody. Oh, y'all don't know about that? Y'all ain't never been to that church? That's the church I was at. Oh, come on, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good. All the time. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have to do all of that. Y'all, y'all ain't never been to that church? We're going to go on a road trip. Yeah, we're going to go on a road trip. What I did, though, what I, I just did what I had all, always done. I ministered to the Lord. I didn't look at the people. I looked at the Lord, and I sang. And you know what happened? He came. His presence came. What is his presence? Him. Him. He came. And that's all the reward I needed. You came. When I'm in the secret place, I just want him to come. Because when he comes, every fear melts away. Worries, doubts, anxieties, needs, wants, all those things, they just fade away because he comes. But I want to be and I want you to be in the company of people that's invited to draw near to the Lord and minister to him. Does that make sense? Here's my last point. And having a life that's on fire is first love. It's first love. It's first love. What is first love? First love is love that puts him first. It's love that puts him first. Revelations chapter 2. To the angel, the messenger of the assembly, the church in Ephesus, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars, which are the messengers of the seven churches in his right hand, who goes about among the seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches. He says, I know your industry and activities, your laborious toil and trouble and your patient endurance and how you cannot tolerate wicked men and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers of Christ, and yet are not, and have found them to be impostors and liars. I know you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not fainted or become exhausted or grown weary. Those are good things to know when you're being deceived. Those are good, those are good things. Those aren't bad things that he's listening, listing. But then verse 4, he says, but I have this one charge to make against you that you have left. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. 
you have deserted me, your first love. Did you know Jesus can feel deserted? We think of God as just this idea, just a thought, just a vapor, just something out there in the heavens. But if, this, if God can say, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, if God can say, I feel that you've abandoned me, this means there is a longing in his heart. And most of the church is not aware that there is a longing in his heart. Most of the church is worried about getting their needs met. Not realizing that if you fulfill the longing in his heart, he'll fulfill the longing in your heart. This is why King David is said to be a man after God's own heart. He says, I'm going to build a resting place to the Lord. I will not give my eyes sleep until I have found a resting place for the Lord. And then the Lord says, you can't build me anything. Who put that desire in your heart to do it? Nevertheless, there will not fail to be a man who sits on the throne from your lineage. In other words, he got God's attention because he desired to fulfill a longing in God's heart. But if all we do is come and want the next word from the prophet, if all we do is want to come and have somebody lay hands on us and speak to us and show us, you know, you know, give us the fortune, tell us what our future is, we will miss him every time. And this is the greatest sin of the church in this day and in this hour is that we have forgotten God, we treat, I'm not mad, we treat Sunday morning, Wednesday nights like it's a social club. This is why Pastor Mitch has had to say over the past few weeks, if you're in the lobby, come on in. This is why. This is a house for him. This is a place to encounter him. Yes, I encounter him every day. This is why my heart, it burns for him. But it's something to be said about gathering with all my brothers and all my sisters. It's a family reunion every week. And we get to declare how good God is, how faithful he has been to us throughout our week. We get to hold each other up and point the fallen people to the Lord. We get to say, no, 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 lift up your heads from what's coming your help. Your help comes from the Lord. We get to do that. It's about him. But so often we make it about us. We make it about us. We say, worship was good today. We worship worship. We don't worship the Lord. The sermon was good today. No, we worship sermons. We don't worship the Lord. This is a house for him. And if we would just turn our hearts to him, turn your hearts to him. He's a good father, and he knows what you have need of. There's a place in God where you don't even ask for your needs because the word of God says that he promises to supply all of your needs. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack or I shall not want. He knows all these things. And so as opposed to approaching God for God, for the whole purpose of being with God, we do it for ourselves thinking that God is a means to an end. I'm going to get with God so that I can get from God. I want to get with God so that I can get God. I want God. I want him so badly. 
I want them so badly. And I want to come into this place every week with the people who are also burning for the Lord, on fire for the Lord, who want him just as bad as I do, who can just lift up their hands without doubting, without wrath, without fearing people beside them and behind them and wondering what they think. I want to come into a place where people will say, shush, don't talk to me. We're worshiping the Lord. <laughs> hey, do you even get mad when somebody interrupts your time with the Lord? Oh, I get an attitude. Oh, my Lord. We were, uh, where was we at? Oh, we was, we was, we was in Florida. So this is the last time it happened. I would, man, listen, we're we in, we in this hotel. And again, that's my spot. Don't mess with my spot in the morning. So it's the morning. And now I'm praying. I'm in that thing. And I just happened to look up the corner of my eye. And Levi, that's my son. He was standing right there. I said, Whoa! He scared the mess out of me. You get so far into the presence. You're like, boy, what you want? What you want? What, what, what? I'm hungry. Goodbye. Man, don't live by bread alone. Everywhere for the man of God. Boy, get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get in. I want God. I want you to want God. I don't want you to have to live your life on these highs and lows. I want you to be consistent but seeking the Lord. And here's the thing. All of this is mundane. Some days, I'm, if I'm being honest, it's boring. It's not always this Holy Ghost revival session in my, in my prayer closet. It's just, it's just not. Most days, it's just me showing up because I'm there for him, not for me. It's just showing up. And if we can learn to just show up. So let me finish this verse. I don't know even know where I'm at. Verse five. Remember then from what heights you have fallen. Repent. Say repent. Change the inner man to meet God's will and do the works and do you did previously when you first knew the Lord. Or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from his place unless you change your mind and repent. Change your mind and repent. How do you know that you don't have first love? If you can't lift your hands and sing during worship, if you can't say hallelujah, bless your name, Glory to the Lamb, all those things. But if we start talking about the corruption in the government and you become the loudest cheerleader in the room, that's not first love. If you can, on Sunday afternoon, stand up and rant and, and ha <laughs> halal <laughs> to act, cl dance clamorously foolish for your favorite football team, but you can't do that for the Lord. First love, you don't have it. Here's the response. Repent. Repent. Change your mind. Turn around and repent. Tell the Lord, I'm sorry that I have not made you first. Does this make sense what I'm saying? Let me read one more scripture, and then we're going to get out of here. I'm going to go to Ephesians 5, verse 32. This will be the last scripture. I'm not going to do the rest. This mystery is very great. But I speak concerning the relation of Christ and the church. However, let each man of you, without exception, love his wife as being, in a sense, his very own self. And let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband. Now, he's talking about um, how men ought to treat their wives in the natural, how wives ought to treat their husband. But then he says this is a mystery because I'm talking about Christ and his church. And so when you read this and you see the word he that's Christ. When you read the words she, that's us. 
We're the bride of Christ. Do you understand? So it says, um, and let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, that she regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates him. That means to respect him um, and esteems him and that she defers to him. She praises him and loves and admires him exceedingly. That's first love. That's first love. Honor the Lord, prefer the Lord, esteem the Lord. I'd rather be with the Lord than with any person else, anybody else. Ask my wife. Right, Keisha? I'd be like, I've told my children. <laughs> Here's a recent conversation. I said, listen, if I die prematurely, y'all better have a quick family meeting. Be sure that you need me before you lay your hands on me and resurrect me. And I looked my children in the face. I said, you have the power of God to raise me from the dead. Before you rebuke death and tell me to get up, you better be sure you need me. I'm not lying. Don't I say this? You better be sure you need me because I'm going to be mad if I get up and I was with the Lord. In, in, the, in the best worship session, I've waited my whole life. I think the Lord's going to let me leave one song in heaven. He's going to let me do it. And um, he said, you better be sure. Why? Because I love him. I prefer him. I prefer him over you. I prefer him. I can only be the husband that I am. I can only be the father that I am out of my love for him first. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Worship team, you can, wherever you are, you can get ready to make your way up. It's because I love him first. It's because I love him first. And here's, here's, go ahead, stand to your feet as well, church. Here's a scripture that I like to read. I like to read this and pray this to the Lord often. Out of Song of Solomon, it says, The fig tree puts forth and ripens her green figs, and the vines are in blossom and give forth their fragrance. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. So I went with him, and when we were climbing the rocky steps up the hillside, my beloved shepherd said to me, this is what Jesus says to us, O oh, my dove, while you are here in the seclusion of the clefts and the solid rock, in the sheltered and secret place of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Do you know the Lord wants to hear from you? Do you know he thinks your face is lovely? It doesn't matter what your friends said about you. It doesn't matter what your appearance is of your, what you think you look like. Your face to the Lord is lovely. Your voice to the Lord, it is lovely. And so her response, she says in verse 15, my heart was touched. And I fervently sang to him, my desire, take for us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards of our love, for our vineyards are in blossom. I pray this all the time. Lord, remove all distractions. 
Remove all hindrances. Anything in me that hinders love, anything in my life that's keeping me from you, that's keeping me from loving you the way you need to be loved, the way you want to be loved, the way you are worthy of being loved, God, I ask that you uproot it after me, out of me, that you show me what it is and help me to love you. Help me to love you. Lord, I want to love you. Lord, my love for you, it is weak. Lord, my love for you, it is fainting and it is fleeting at times. But though it's weak, Lord, my love for you, it's real. Take this love, God, and receive it. Take this love, God, and let it minister to your heart. God, I want my life to be an offering and an incense and a fragrance of love and adoration to you, God. I want everything that I do with my hands, God, to be an offering of love to you, God. I want my whole life, everything good in me, everything bad in me, God, I want to present it to you. I want to submit it to you because I love you, God. Take my children because I love you, God. Take my wife, God, because I love you. Take my money, God, because I love you, God. I have no will. I am yours. All of me, it's yours. I give you my whole heart. I give you my hopes. I give you my desires. I give you my grief. God, you are worthy. God, you are worthy. God, you are worthy. I love you, God, with all my heart. God, I love you with all my soul. God, I love you with all my mind, with all my strength. Who is like you? you are in this place and you have fallen from first love if you're in this place and you have other priorities there is no shame there is no condemnation the Lord loves you I want you to repent put your hand on your heart and we'll give you a moment I'm not even going to lead you your words to him put your hands on your heart put your attention on him and repent Come to him, 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 come to him. The Bible says what heights you have fallen, great heights you have fallen from. Say, Lord, forgive me, I have fallen. Lord, forgive me, I have abandoned you. Thank you that you are a forgiving father. Thank you that you're the father who sees us while we are afar off. You're the father that runs to us. You're the father that embraces us. And you are the father that fervently kisses us. Every fear we've had, every worry we've had, every doubt we've had, every bit of anxiety that we've had, you have been faithful to take care of us. You brought us this far because you are faithful. That is 
That is who you are. But forgive us. Forgive us, Lord God, for not trusting you with our hearts. For not trusting you with our minds. With our strength. Receive our love, God. Receive our yes, God. Receive our yes, God. Now, if you're in this place and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you have not made him Lord of your life, these things, they won't work in your life unless you come to him, unless you draw near to him. So before you leave today, I'm going to give you the opportunity. If you're in here, I won't beg you. You know where you are. If you're in this place today and you need to make Jesus your Lord, lift your hands right now. Thank you. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, can you just pray this prayer with us? Sean, do you have that scripture, that prayer, excuse me, that we can put on the screen? And we're going to help those who have raised their hands, who wants to make Jesus their Lord. We're going to say it as if we need it. Say, God, I repent of my sins. Today I change my heart and mind about how I have been living. I ask you to forgive me for every sin that I have committed from the time I was born until today. I believe that Jesus Christ is the virgin-born Son of God, that he died in my place to pay for my personal sins, and that he rose from the dead to make me right with you. Jesus, I give myself wholeheartedly to you for the rest of my life. Change my interests and desires. Thank you, Father, for saving me from my sin. In Jesus' name. Can we just give God a shout of praise? We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. And what we're going to do is... Um, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to dismiss us. If I could have the altar team come forward. If you are here, altar team, you come forward now. If you are here, and like Pastor Mira said in the beginning, if there's a fence, if you're struggling with unforgiveness, I'd like for you to come down at the close of service. If you are the person who raised their hand to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come, and I want you to uh, meet us at the front as well at the close of service. And if you are here and you want to go deeper in your prayer life and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you want your prayer language, I want you to come forward as we close out service. And if there's any other need, God is faithful and he wants to meet that need as well. Amen. 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 So just lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to release you. Father, we love you. Father, we bless you, God. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that the Spirit of God is on the inside of us, that the Spirit of God is in us, that he is working and willing us to do according to your good pleasure. Father, I just pray 
that by the Spirit of God, you will remind us of the words we have heard today, that we would begin to make the secret place our favorite place, that you would lead us to friends who are chasing you fervently and wholeheartedly and, and, and set this thing up, God, so that we can chase you together. Lord God, I ask that you show me how to minister to you, how to make you my priority, and ask, Father, I ask that you remind me of the things that I did at first to keep you as my first love. I plead the blood of Jesus over these people, over their children, over their spouses. And I release a blessing on them in Jesus' name.